I'm so excited about this. This particular message is a message that the Lord birthed in my spirit back in 2004 into 2005. And I tried to sit down and really study this week, but it, it was almost, it, it felt, it, it just felt like, why am I studying this? This is part of something the Lord's done in my life. And, and we don't necessarily have to study our testimony, do we? It's kind of a part of who we are, and that's kind of what this is to me. Uh, in 2004, I was an extremely busy little Christian. I was doing a lot of things. I was, um, things that I thought were good. You know, I was working for the Lord. Notice I used the word working rather than the word serving. Those are two different things. But I was very busy. Say it again. Oh. <laughs> working and serving, two different things. And my plate was really full. I was leading women's ministries, loved leading women's ministries. Uh, I was playing piano, singing with the worship team. I was doing a lot of that stuff. I loved it. I was writing music in Nashville. I was just a busy, busy girl. And I was teaching every week, trying to, to do a lot of stuff. And unlike Isaac last week, when he said he was unhappy with his work, I loved mine. I loved that I was busy. I loved that my plate was full. I liked everything on my plate. I didn't want anybody messing with it. I had it just how I wanted it. But then I woke up one morning and I was laying in bed and I thought, oh, God's stirring. You know, sometimes we stay so busy so we don't have to listen. Sometimes we will work and work and work because we don't want to get still and hear what God actually has to say to us. And that's kind of where I was. I wouldn't have admitted it at that point in my life. But I, I, I woke up and I kind of felt like somebody had shaved my eyebrows off in the middle of the night. I thought there's a revelation coming and I've just not seen it yet. But it's that feeling like something's just not right. And so that began, that morning, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, I want you to lay down women's ministries. I said, God, I can't. They need me. God, if I don't lead these women, what's going to happen to them? Well, you know what happened to them? This wonderful woman named Rena Montgomery happened to them. And she stepped into the middle of it. And oh my goodness, they thrived. They doubled in size. And I'm like, Thank you, God, for blessing her. That could have been a disaster. <laughs> oh, let's just be honest. Why don't we? And then he said, I want you to lay down the worship team. Look how they have suffered without me. <laughs> Not. We're the only ones that think we're irreplaceable. We're the only one that, that, that lends that much importance to what we're doing. But anyway, they just thrived. And I'm like, okay, God, that's fine. At least I can still write. I can still do this. And then that feeling like, no, you can't. I'm like, what? Why are they making me do this? You always want to blame somebody other than God. Always want to. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll lay it down. Even though I know you told me to do this, God, back in 1991. 
Sometimes we might want to get an update. What we were called to do in 1991, he might have been finished with in 92, and we're in 2004, but I'm just saying. Just because he called us to it then doesn't mean that's our, our destiny now. We need to be listening to him. So I laid it all down. Pleasantly, <laughs> I laid it all down grudgingly, is what I did. And then one day, when Hal was at work and the kids were at school and everything, and I was having the most amazing pity party you would not believe. It was just me there. And I went and I laid down on the sofa, which I never do. I can't nap if I close my eyes and blink too long during the day, it messes up my sleep cycle. But I'm just saying, I laid down on the sofa and I was eating chocolate and I was drinking soda. And I was crying the ugly cry, like, God, well, I must have done something wrong. I must have missed you, God, what's going on? And I purposely didn't wear waterproof mascara because I wanted it to run down my face. (laughs) And at one point, can I just be honest? I got up off of my sofa. I know you all have never done this. I got up off of my sofa. I walked to the bathroom mirror to to take note of my profound suffering for Christ. And as I'm standing there in front of the mirror doing the faces, (laughs) I got so tickled at myself. I mean, it was so pitiful. It was so bad that I actually started laughing there in the mirror, laughter through tears. And in my spirit, I heard him speak and say, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I kind of heard him go, and if you're through with the Coke and chocolate, you might just want to talk to me. And being the, (laughs) oh my gosh, I just love him. I love his sense of humor. Oh my goodness, I ran and I got my Bible and I got my journals and I thought, God, you might have been speaking to me in the last year. I might want to go look at those things I underlined and see if you were actually trying to speak to me. And I started pressing into his word again because I decided I didn't want to stay at that party anymore. I wanted to find out what God was doing so that I could be a part of that. Wouldn't you like to do that? Some of us need to come out of that place. Those ministries that your heart still aches over that perhaps God had you lay down. He has more for you. He has more for you. And so I'm standing in my kitchen and I'm a visual learner. So instead of words, a lot of times the Lord will give me a picture. And that's what he did in this instance. I'm not saying it was a vision. I'm not saying I blacked out. I'm just saying in my spirit, this is what I saw. I mean, because sometimes you think vision and you're thinking John on the Isle of Patmos and you're thinking all of this. This wasn't that. But in my spirit, I very clearly saw something that wasn't there previously. And what I saw was an archer. And if you are me, you're standing in my kitchen. The archer was standing and we were standing. I was looking at him in profile. I could see his profile, and he wasn't saying anything. He had leather on his arms and and on his legs, and, and I watched, and as I watched, he had a quiver of arrows on his back. And as I watched, he uh, uh, initially he had an arrow in his hand, just one, and he was just looking at it, and um, he took that arrow and he placed it in the quiver. And I'm just watching, and I'm thinking, God, what is going on here? He reaches back into the quiver 
and he pulls the arrow up and over. He brings the bow down and he knocks the bow, knocks the arrow upon the bowstring. And then he lifts the bow and he draws back the arrow. And as he drew back the arrow, that was the first time he spoke. And he said, you are here. And I just went, oh my goodness. I like here. I liked that. I didn't know what everything meant, but everything in my spirit, it was gone. As, as quickly as it had started, it was gone. But everything in my spirit had come awake. Everything had awakened in me. And I'm like, God, I want to know what that means. And the only way I can know what that means is I've got to go to the pages of your word. I've got to begin to seek you. I've got to find out what all of this meant. Because with every movement of the archer's hand, I, I, I could see it. And these things were just exploding on the inside of my spirit. And that's what I want to share with you today. Actually, I don't know if Rob Bauman knows this, but when I brought this teaching back years ago, it was just a teaching. And I was walking down the hallway, and he was in the hallway, and he, he stopped and he went, Barbie, you really need to explore that further. You really need to see what God's saying to you in that. There's more there. You did that. And I went home and I started studying and God just began to lay it out in the most beautiful way. Um, so you were divinely positioned in that moment. I appreciate that very much. But the very first thing he showed me was the arrow in his hand. The very first position is that you are chosen. You have been chosen by God. When Hal gets arrows in, he's an archer. When he gets arrows in, I begin to pay so much attention after the Lord was showing me this. He'll lay the arrows out and he'll measure their length and he'll look at them to see if they're, if they're bent in any direction, if they're usable or, or whatever that might be. And he'll, sometimes he'll take one and he'll spin it on his hand. I've definitely been in that spinning position, haven't you? Understand that it's not always the enemy who puts you in a spin. Sometimes the, the master archer is trying to find out if you're balanced and if you can find your focal point in the spin. Sometimes we need to pay really close attention. The things that we're blaming the enemy for might be the archer. But we won't know that unless we're talking to him. We won't know that until we're paying attention. This phase, the chosen phase, honestly is my favorite because it's such a season of intimacy. Have you ever been in such a season of intimacy with the Lord that you just don't want to come out? It's like, yeah, 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 I know there's work to do in the kingdom, but I want to stay right here. I love that place because you, it's just such a protective place and there's just this close attention that you have from the archer. And I love that. Let me tell you something. Every single one of you have been chosen by God. He has, has chosen you. You are in the palm of his hand. And no one can take you out of the palm of his hand. No one. The very next phase that he takes you into, and I've seen this bear out in how, when how tests the arrows. The next thing after finding out that you're chosen in that season of intimacy where he draws you close and, and ownership is established and your heart belongs to him, Next, you get to be tested. Woohoo! <laughs> tested. Tested for true. He'll take the arrows out. Howell will take the arrows out in the back and he'll stand on our back deck. Whoop. Sorry, neighbors. Um, and he'll shoot the arrows to see if they're going to fly straight. 
And see, we get these test flights, these small, minute test flights that are designed to determine if we will go where the archer wants to send us. We are great at taking our own flights. We're great at pursuing our own destinations. But what if the archer wants to send you on a small test flight across the aisle, Ken, to tell Cheryl that God loves her and you have been praying for her? And what if he asks you just to walk five steps to minister to her? See, sometimes we are so willing to go across the world to people we don't know and we won't cross an aisle to somebody that has been in our life for 20 years and go, I want to encourage you in the spirit today. So often we will take on missions that uh, uh, we will take on assignments that we think are great or grand when God really wants us to just cook a meal for somebody who's been in the hospital. And understand that those are test flights. Those are test flights. And if we are called, uh, particularly if people are say, I'm called to nations, I get that. But be faithful in this one. Be faithful in this one. Be faithful on those small flights. Once you've been tested, yay, you passed the test. I have passed the test. Thank you, God. I know you can use me. Did that not go well, God? What you told me to do? I just went and did. Did you see that? Did anybody else see that? But these test flights that we go on and you're like, yes, I passed the test. And so now you are ready to be put in the quiver with all of the other arrows. We enter this hidden season This hidden season where your sole purpose is to learn to love the body of Christ. We want to escape the body of Christ too often. We want God to send us. We want him to send us here or send us there. When what he's trying to do is go, no, I need you to understand that you have to love them before I can send you. What message? That, that's, the, that's the thing that the Lord really registered to me. What message have I got to take to anybody if I don't love them? If I don't love them, it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter how many ministries I try to start. If I don't love the body of Christ, why would he trust me with them? Why would he? So your mission in this, even though you feel like you are about to burst, you are so restless in the beginning when you get placed in the quiver because you know that God has called you to something. And you can get so restless. And what happens when we're restless is we start to pick apart the other arrows. We start to judge their walk. We start to wonder why they're holding us back. Spiritually, you in your mind, sometimes when you pass some tests in the spirit, you can the temptation is to think that you know more than the other arrows, and that you should therefore that they're holding you back. What do you think Joshua and Caleb did when they knew when they were standing before the children of Israel going, "I know we can take the land." But God kept them with the other arrows for 40 years. Because sometimes your job is to sow the vision among the arrows. Sometimes your job is to teach and to train and to love and call them up. And the ultimate thing about the quiver is by the time the archer reaches in there to grab you, your heart's desire is that he would use somebody else. 
Your heart's desire be going, oh, Lord, Alan is so gifted in this. Are you sure you don't want to send him? Or, or what about Ernie, Lord? The, the Lord could use Ernie in this. Or what about Cecilia or Leah? God, they have such gifts. That's when you know that you're ready to come out of the quiver, that God can use you when you want God to use others. When you see their gift and you're not envious. But you're like, oh, celebrate what God is doing in them. And so God takes this arrow that's been hidden among the the body and he reaches back and he picks that arrow out of the center. He brings it up and out and that arrow is like, finally, I can see daylight. This is fabulous. These are the seasons when maybe like you brought a really good teaching and everybody in the house went, did you hear Brad? Oh my gosh, Brad just nailed this or, or Justin nailed this or Robert. I mean, your name is on someone's lips in that flight and you feel the elements and you're like, this is fabulous. This is what I was created for. This is absolutely in your face down. Because there's a purpose in that exposure flight. There's a purpose when you get to shine, when that gift that he's given you is just, ah, it's just everything that you know he's called you to do and you get to shine for this moment. But we need to remember that we are a reflection. The source of the shine is not us. He is the one who gives us anything shiny. Because see, we know, and the Lord knows, we were initially made of mud. His shine, the test of this exposure flight, the things that God gives you to do that you want to serve faithfully in, that brings some attention. Some of the watcher arrows are like, oh, they were fabulous. The check of the heart, Scripture says in Proverbs 27, 21, the purity of a man's heart is tested by giving him a little fame. And sometimes we are tested in that the Lord allows a little bit of fame to come. Somebody to recognize our name. And what you know what he's watching for? For us to go all glory, all honor, All power is yours, God. I know that I didn't fly by my hand. I flew by yours alone to acknowledge that the one who sent us, the one who gave us the giftings, the one who is using us to acknowledge, give all glory, all glory to the archer. Wonderful thing about that face down position as well is that that in the physical sense is when the the bow is down and the arrow is being knocked upon the string. That's when stability comes into the arrow. You know what happens if you raise an arrow and attempt to shoot it and there's no stability in it? Look out left and right. (laughs) And I've seen that. I've seen that in the spirit. So the stability that comes. And there's discipline. Not punishment, big difference. There's discipline in a face-down phase where God's allowing you to walk through. Yeah, I remember who I was. I know, God, the work that you've done to bring me to this point. God, I recognize the dirt that I, that I walked in. I recognize the person that I was in comparison to this. And it's only God. Only God. It was only you, Lord. And so that when the next phase comes, which is promotion and alignment, when he begins to bring that arrow up and into alignment, it is with the complete knowledge that you are being promoted by his hand alone. 
The word tells us that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from God. Promotion comes from God. So if you see anybody receiving promotion, you see anybody being positioned, whether you like it or whether you don't. All authority, all power, that is promotion from God, period. Our job in that circumstance is to pray, oh God, give them a spirit of wisdom and of understanding that their hearts would long for you, that they would lead justly. God, to become an Aaron and her to our leaders, that we would pray for them, that we would lift them up because they are in a battle. They are in a battle. So promotion, promoting on the line. Can I tell you in the spirit realm, this is when you are good, might feel just a little tiny bit picked apart because alignment is precise. And what happens in this phase is something that you got by with yesterday, God calls you on today. You're like, I can't help it. I just got a mouth on me. Well, stop it. <laughs> you can't help it. You can't help it because this is how I know you could help it. If you were having that mouth on you and you looked out your front window and Pastor Ronnie was walking up your front steps, you would help it. (laughs) By the time he came in the door, you'd be like, and then Jesus said to the blind man. (laughs) You can help it. Quit making excuses for sin. And I use the word sin, not issue, because blood covers sin. It's not about issues. It's about blood covers your sin. So if you want to access that, God, this is a sin. It's nasty and it's ugly and it's bad. And I confess it before you because you have said, if I will confess my sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God. In the promotion and alignment phase, God is going to call you to be sharper. He's going to call you to be more keen in the spirit. He's going to, um, some of the dirt that might have attached itself to the arrow has to go for it to fly true. And then there's that drawn back position. That drawn back position. And I tell you what, I, I see this. I see this in some of you guys. I definitely see this in Robert Brooks in the drawn back position. I know, I know, I know, I know God's getting ready to release you in areas that you you don't even know yet. You just don't, because he's in this drawn back position. And the, the wonderful thing about the drawn back position, even though everything else falls away, all those ministries I had to lay down, all of that stuff that I needed to lay down, all that stuff that I thought I was doing for God had to fall. But in that drawn back position, You are the closest to the mouth and the ear of God that you will ever be in this journey. You are so close to him in that place where everything else just becomes stuff. Then you are drawn back and you go, God, I see it. I'm beginning to see that target that you have for me to strike. And you're drawn back for those final instructions. Those final instructions, those whispers. And I would encourage you in that phase not to talk a lot. That's a tough one for me, but not to talk a lot. Listen, listen and write it down. Robert, everything that's going on in your life, I would encourage you to write down every instruction God gives you in this season. But listen to God. Listen to God. 
And then this moment comes, the most wonderful thing happens. He draws back that arrow. He gives you those final instructions and you begin to see the target. And you're like, oh, I get it. That's where I'm going. I get it. And the target is prepared and it's ready. And he releases that arrow and it flies and strikes dead center. I mean, right in the middle of that thing that God has called you to. And everything in you is like, yes, God, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then this wonderful thing happens. All of this preparation, all of this time, all of this flight, the archer goes, he walks up to the target, and he gathers the arrows. Because you are not intended for one flight. You have many marks to strike in your time on the planet. If I can get the worship team wherever they are, you have many marks to strike in this journey. I look at these positional transitions with things that are going on all around us. Can I say all of you are in transition? All of you are in transition or you should be. The only time you're not is when you're refusing the archer's hand. And I have done that and it is miserable. It is miserable, and, and you make enemies. And people, you you're just when you're discontent, I, you know what? I was honestly thinking this. I think part of the great surge in social media, the Facebook and the Instagram and the Snapchat and every, everything else that is going on, I think part of that is because we have become so bored because we're not really fulfilling the things of God. I think we have to occupy our minds and we have to get involved in all of this minute stuff because what God really wants is for us to be right in the center of his will, being about the Father's business. What if that's the case? See, I want to be used again. What, I, what God used me for in 1991. Can I ask you a question? Can you move the stands back here? And can I get all five of you Melanie, back over there where you were earlier when you were leading worship. Michael, Will, Tammy. Who did we lose? Kristen, right here. Because we're going to lead a charge here in a minute. God holds it all. God holds it all. Understand that whatever's going on in our world, whatever is happening, God is sovereign and he is in control. Amen? And I look at things that are going on and I look at Pastor Wayne in this season of his life. The archer just retrieved an arrow for another flight. This one's going to Africa. This one's going to Cuba. This one's, God is sending him out on precision strikes. I look at things like Pastor Bruce, what God's going to do with, with him in the next season. God's not finished. What, I mean, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put my hope in God. God's just getting ready to send him on another journey. Rodney, Rodney got sent. Rodney got sent to another body. J.R. Becker's being sent. We got to rejoice with these arrows on the next leg of the journey. I want them to rejoice with me when God sends me on my next one. Amen. If we can begin to see it, as we are all arrows in the hand of the archer. We move at the archer's will, not our own. So we're going to stand. If you would stand with me. Here is the thing that the Lord put in my spirit. We need in the, in the depths of our spirit in this season, personally and corporately, 
We need to be able to stand before the Lord and go, you hold it all. You hold it all. And if you don't mind, and if you do mind, please do it anyway. I mean, I want everybody to come forward because we're going to make a proclamation. Come on. Brave ones first. When we enter into the chorus and it says, you hold it all, whatever situation, whatever question, whatever place where you just need him to move, I want you to extend your hands toward the heaven and I want you to begin to proclaim, you hold it all. You hold it all. Amen.